$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. I think that I've done almost every single job in my company, you know, from filling, batching, packaging. So it's kind of like I have general understanding of how everything pretty much works. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get... Knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. I've been a super fan and just thrilled that she agreed to come on the show today to just talk a little bit more about her brand. So Tata Harper is here with me to talk about her skincare line. Just a little bit of background on her. She's a pioneer in Natural Luxury Skincare. The company is 10 years old. And we'll talk about how skincare has really changed. And these guys were really on the forefront of really driving, I think, a lot of that change into the overall industry. Tata herself couldn't find 100% natural products that were up to her standards. And so she decided, why not make it? And she, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but we were just talking about her farm in Vermont, which sounds amazing, amazing. And I want to hear a little bit more about that. But they've been featured in Vogue, Vanity Fair, Town and Country. Today, Tata is offering our listeners $50 off any purchase at tataharperskincare.com when you use code TATAXCARA, my name. There we go. And we'll put it on the post as well. So everybody's got it, but use it at checkout. And this code is valid with a minimum purchase of $100, excluding gift cards and spa accessories, and is valid for seven days after this podcast. So we're very excited to have you here, Tata. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. This is so fun. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I love your podcast. I listen to it regularly. Oh, thank you. Very, very excited. So can you explain a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and and how did it all come about? Sure. So I am from Colombia. So I am a Latin girl, <laughs> Latin woman. <laughs> and I never thought that I would become a beauty entrepreneur similar to you. Like I, it, you know, I never really thought that my destiny was in beauty. 
I'm an industrial engineer. And all of a sudden, like in 2005, while I was having a completely different career in life, my stepfather got diagnosed with cancer and he gets treated here in the U.S. And I was living in Miami at the time. And I accompanied him to doctors, clinics, you name it, a lot of different places. And I realized how important lifestyle is for your overall health and wellness. You know, I had always been a health enthusiast, trying to eat well, exercise, you know, do your thing. But I had never really thought about like my toxic load, which is something that the doctors keep talking over and over about. You know, like basically it's this concept about the accumulation of synthetic chemicals that given, you know, like this daily interactions with synthetic chemicals, just you accumulate so much throughout your life without you realizing. And that it gets to a point where your body's so overloaded that then your propensities to different disease just become greater. So I became obsessed with reducing my toxic load along with him. So started buying organic, changing my cleaning products, changing as much as I could. And really I left skincare as like my last frontier because I have always as a, you know, I'm a Latin woman, Latin woman are similar to the Korean and Asian woman in the sense that beauty is very important to us. Like really like more is more when it comes to beauty, like more steps equal more results in a way. And I had always been a serious skincare customer. And when I wanted to change to natural products, I just didn't find that any of them really were meant for me, for someone that was looking for high quality the best ingredients, the best technology, like a lot of like natural products revolved around very simple, low cost formulas that, you know, like, yeah, they were natural, but they just had three or four ingredients, you know, (laughs) or they were mixtures with a lot of like naturals and synthetic. And I really wanted this idea of like, where can I find a product that has no synthetic chemicals? Because we don't know you know, in 20 or 30 years when they actually study the different raw materials, how, you know, what is the repercussions in the long term? Because a lot of those studies haven't really been done for, you know, like the beauty industry uses thousands of synthetic ingredients, Mm -hmm. right? So I wanted this concept of like, you know, no tolerance for synthetic chemicals. Where can I find something that is truly natural, but deliver results? So Obviously, I was not very happy with the quality that I found at like little apothecaries and like places like Whole Foods. Like I had never really bought like beauty at supermarkets, you know, like, you know, I bought shampoos and body lotions, but not necessarily like eye cream and serum. You know what I mean? Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. So I would go to department stores and, you know, beauty stores where I used to get my beauty products and I'd be like, girls, please help me you know, go natural, what do you have? And then they would show me things that had like algaes, things that, you know, formulas that contain orchids, honey. But then along with the honey, the orchids and everything else, there was always all this like 40 or 50 industrial chemicals, parabens, pegs, 
everything else. And I was like, I love the idea of this algaes, but why do you guys have to mix it with all these industrial chemicals that when you Google them, they're like things that belong in your car, you know, like petroleum, battery acid, like propylene glycol, which is antifreeze. Like, why does that belong here in the eye cream? Like, I thought that you were saying that algaes are what performs, then why do you have all these other things? And then I quickly realized, and I think that this has to do with my background as an industrial engineer, that I've always loved science and I'm not intimidated with research and clinical studies. And then you realize that a lot of those synthetic chemicals are not necessarily in the formulas to deliver results. They are there to make the formula work. They're functional raw materials, right? Like preservatives, like parabens, like they're there to make sure that the formula lasts a long time without growing mold and without being contaminated. For example, pegs and other, you know, this class of uh, ingredients that are called emulsifiers. They're used to mix water and oil together to create textures and creams. There's thickeners, stabilizers, I mean, so on. And then I realized that a lot of those synthetic chemicals were not necessarily the ones driving results very differently than what I had been told, you know, that you needed synthetic chemicals to perform. Like a lot of the results came from the algaes, the orchids, the honey, the roses, and that all of this was there just to make the product feel, not be contaminated and, you know, to look a certain way and feel a certain way. So then I became like really passionate with solving this problem because I had a problem and I thought I can't be the only person that is looking for something that's really high tech and really potent, but that doesn't have any synthetic chemical whatsoever. And I had no idea at this point, like how big, how small I started this company just with pure passion And with this idea of like, I am going to use my skills, my curiosity to try to solve this for whomever is interested, right? Whomever is looking for this, here I am, I'm going to try to solve this. And that's how it began. And then I was honestly faced with a thousand obstacles, all from, you know, ranging from customers are really not looking for natural products. You know, serious skincare customers hate natural products. Like they will never buy them. And it's true. I mean, at the time, if you're a serious skincare customer like me, you would never buy them, right? Because a lot of like the natural beauty sector started really like bottom up, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of formulas that were really simple, low cost, that they were more important, that they were natural and that they were effective. So a lot of people that are buying skincare because they are effective, which is the majority of the people, because that's the whole purpose of skincare is to provide results to your skin. We're not necessarily in the bandwagon for that. Mm -hmm. So that was my biggest challenge, right? Because a lot of women have been, you know, we have been marketed for so many years, 20 or 30 years, that synthetic chemicals are what deliver results. And if you don't have brands that have celebrities or doctors in lab coats, you know, it's just like aloe vera juice and irrelevant formulas, you know, you know, that was a big obstacle, honestly, when I started along with the journey of formulating the products because creating the company, creating the formulas was almost like a a challenge to the status quo. Like if you want to start a skincare line, basically what I realized after I hired a lot of experts is that everything is outsourced. You know, the formulas are not necessarily proprietary. You go to labs to make them for you. And typically those formulas begin with bases. Mm -hmm you know, that are driven by 
then you add on to those yeah, things. And then you would be like, oh, Tata, you're from Colombia. Great. Let's add this uh, ingredient from the Amazon or this like, you know, ingredient that it's all about being Latin and the Latin culture. And no one was really interested in doing ground up formulation, which is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to just take something that has been out in the market for 20 or 30 other brands and just change one raw material, just one ingredient, name it something else, change the smell, change the color. And then here we are telling a new story. And, you know, it's almost like private label. So I don't want to do that. I wanted to have a unique formula. And that took almost five years (laughs) with a help of almost eight different scientists that really helped me develop different parts of the formulation. So it was really like about like decoding formulation and re-engineering it back with natural ingredients you know, all those thickeners, everything else. People are always curious, like, how do you get started? Because you didn't come from the beauty industry. Like, how did you find, you know, the people that to actually help you figure this stuff out? You know what I did? I started reading a lot of books Mm -hmm. on skincare, on ingredients, on technologies, because the natural world has so many different sciences. You have aromatherapy, you have herbalism, you have homeopathy, then you have a lot of the traditional practice, you know, medicine like Chinese, Ayurvedic, then you have all the new green science that it's blooming, was blooming at the time. And, uh, and I just started reading and then contacting a lot of those authors, you mm-hmm. know, being like, I'll be like, oh, I really love his point of view. I want to, you know, I want to see who he is. And then he'll be like, oh, this is the president of the Society of Aromatherapy in France or in Germany. And then I started just traveling and meeting with these people. And some of them thought that I was nuts. And some other people were like, yeah, I'm going to help you. I think that this is interesting. Like, I will definitely help you figure out this piece of the puzzle. And it was really about having multiple pieces of the puzzle going in at once, whether it's preservatives or emulsifiers, actives, and, you know, figuring all that out all simultaneously, and then putting it all together into a formula. And that's how I began really finding the scientists, finding all the people that still, a lot of them work with me still today. And then also not listening to a lot of experts. Mm -hmm. I realized that when you're trying to do something innovative, something new, experts might not necessarily have all the answers for you. And, you know, I felt so bad about that, you know, like I'm spending all this money here, they're giving me expert advice and like, what are the best practices? And here I am almost rejecting everything, right? Well, it's funny as you're talking about this. So I have a book coming out very soon in a few days called Undaunted. Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And there are a lot of similarities in what you're saying. And I always talk about, you mentioned puzzle. Like I I said that I think that the best entrepreneurs are okay with like living on working on a puzzle, right? That just doesn't end, right? And because you just keep innovating and you keep trying new things and you're excited by that. And not everybody is excited by that, but I'm very similar where I really wanted, I kept, you know, we actually produced, we used real fruit in our product and we produced the first non-alcoholic beverage that didn't use preservatives in our product. And that was 15 years ago. And everybody said, it can't happen. I'd call bottlers and I'd say, like, I want to produce a product using real fruit 
And how do I do that? And they didn't know how to do it. So industry experts came in and kept telling me, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And I'm like, why, 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 why? And a lot of people got really annoyed by it. But then every once in a while, you find this person who's also curious, yeah, right? Who can go with you down that river. And, you know, and it's just interesting. And sometimes the rivers go nowhere, but sometimes they go somewhere and you start to realize that you're doing something different. And totally, you have patience in the process because it's definitely not easy what we do formulating mm-hmm. skincare from the ground up. And, and also another thing that we also went against a lot of expert advice had to do with the manufacturing of the product, which was another puzzle that was happening almost simultaneously to the formulation of the products that had to do with how to produce it, because that's another piece that also the industry is so used to outsourcing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, who makes your group, who fills your bottles, who packages your products, and even the distribution of the product is many times outsourced. And because I'm an engineer again, I thought like, wow, I am so excited to have a skincare factory. And then when I realized that actually that wasn't the common practice, I was so surprised, right? Because you, you know, I know that it sounds funny, but we created a real skincare company. And I know that many listeners might not like realize, but most skincare brands don't make their products, you know? And then when I I realized that I was not going to make the products, I was not going to make the formulas. I'm like, what am I going to do? What it's going to be my life as a beauty entrepreneur going to be like if I'm going to have a lab making the formulas, another lab making my goop and producing for me, someone else filling, someone else packaging, someone else distributing. Like that didn't sound as fun to yeah. me. You know, like the more complicated, like I was ready to do it all, yeah. you know, and I was really interested in doing it all. And that's how actually we ended up turning most of the barns in my farm in Vermont into a skincare factory, you know, like that's where we make all of our products. So I also wanted to make sure that we made everything because I not only, you know, from a a hypothetical standpoint, like, okay, this is great. Like it makes sense. This is what my customers expect from me, right? Like they wouldn't care if I outsource my accounting. They don't care if I outsource my content, but they for sure don't expect that I am outsourcing my production. Mm -hmm. So I became just obsessed of having my own factory. So I, you know, we create our own formulas in the lab, in the farm. We also produce absolutely everything in the farm. And what I also found is that it is the way to not have to make excess product that could be extremely wasteful because, you know, as a young brand and even today, like 10 years later, we find it very useful to have our own factory because that way I produce exactly what I need. I am not to the mercy of minimums that are based on other people's requirements, you know, what works for them, but really what works for me and what works for my customers. Because if I make it, then, you know, like with all the internal testing, two months, it's out the door, it's into clients' hands, I'm not warehousing anything that it's expiring, that it's becoming old. My clients just get products that are really fresh. And when they're really fresh, they're really potent. And then at the same time, things are not just expiring on me to the point that then it's just you're producing more than you should have. And then it's extremely wasteful using all these resources, all this energy to create all these different things. And then it just goes bad. Right. So I found that making my own factory was actually critical for 
the potency, the freshness, the quality of our products. So we we basically produce absolutely everything. We source all the raw materials, all the ingredients, so we know the exact quality of what we're dealing with. We make exactly what we need every month. We fill what we need. We package what we need. And it's out the door from our farm to the doorstep of our clients every single month and every single week. But that's really exciting. How do you get a brand out there, right? I mean, how did you think about it? Like, number one, I have never had a corporate experience. I've never had a corporate job. I've always been an entrepreneur, but a different type of entrepreneur. I've never had made consumer products. So for me, it was all about the product and all about the formula. And still to date, I think that we are a product company, first and foremost, not really like a branding and marketing company. Like we are a product company. So when I started, I just started doing a lot of like little trunk shows all over the U.S. with my friends in Malibu, with friends in Brentwood, New York. Like I would just travel all over and, you know, have been working so diligently and for so many years in creating my products that I wanted to make sure that people love them. What do they think about them? Do they like them? Do they not like them? It was really, that's how kind of like I had got started and, and a lot of the people that came to those trunk shows were wanted to rebuy the product. So I started like a website with like $3,000. We put like a website up and we started selling products there and then and packaging it. Like I hadn't even thought about packaging at this point. I love it. No idea about packaging. So we quickly had to like figure it out. And I really wanted to bring, because the products are so, you know, they're 100% natural and they also come from nature, from, you know, like we do science in the context of a farm, like in the middle of nature. I wanted to also bring a little piece of like our landscape and our surroundings to our customers. So one day, just looking at in the summer afternoon, just looking at the farm, everything was just green with yellow dandelions. And I was like, oh, this is so pretty, you know, like this I is love like- it looks like and that's how the color came about and the packaging came about and we just started everything step by step it was all very organic (laughs) and uh and you know we hired our first like marketing team like maybe two and a half years ago so all this time it's been very like me my sales channels like really just creating a product and really focusing on the products and what the clients are looking for. And that's how it began. And one of the friends that came to one of my trunk shows actually shared the products with one of the girls at Vogue. One of the girls at Vogue fell in love with them and then they wanted to cover the story. So it just happened so quickly, you know, and all of a sudden they're like, no, Vogue is coming and they're doing like a five page story on the brand before we even had a packaging. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. It's such a, that's such a great story. What was your first product? So I, w- I didn't want to launch one product. I wanted to launch a regimen. You know, I wanted to launch all the products that I was using because I am a firm believer that regimens are really important. Layering is extremely important, especially the complementary effect of using all of the products together. It just gets you much better results. So, I mean, probably the first formula that was stable was the resurfacing mask which is one of our best sellers it won multiple awards but i didn't launch until i had all of them Mm. all like 12 like a set of 12 products and that's how we launched yeah and then quickly you know like we started just receiving calls from different stores that wanted to carry them the first store was face and k okay here they just had opened their stores 
and they were super excited. I met with Nikki. She wanted to carry the products. And, and for a long time, I was just really focused on that account and not really looking to open a lot of other accounts just because we, I wanted to make sure that everything was running smoothly, you know, like the production was working, the forecasting was working, that, you know, the distribution was working, the packaging, like all of the different pieces I go into making of the product, especially because when I started, I think that I've done almost every single job in my company, you know, from filling, batching, packaging. So it's kind of like I have general understanding of how everything pretty much works with firsthand experience. And, and also being an engineer, I love operations and I love getting involved in a lot of like the planning, the forecasting. I actually have to like now like really stop myself and be like, no, <laughs> that's like, you know, like really like well run machine. You don't need to get involved there and really focus on the teams that really need me. But yeah, that's, that's how it all began. I love it. I love it. And so what did you see during this time? Obviously, we are recording this in, you know, hopefully the end of the pandemic. I'm an optimist, so we'll see. But what did you feel like your company, what were sort of the biggest kind of changes that you saw during this time? Sales channels. Yeah. Definitely how consumer behavior was one of the, I would say the, the biggest change, honestly, like the like shifting, like the stores being closed, being almost you know, all digital for a while. Mm -hmm. Things are starting to normalize and, you know, an economy started opening, like the Middle East opened and Asia started opening. And then here we started opening and then Europe started opening last. And that's been the, the main shift. And, you know, we took a lot of that time to not panic and just really, you know, focus on the right things. I think that my life as the co-CEO of my company has changed so much like my daily activities have changed so much what I used to do has changed so much and now I am learning and involved in so many more aspects especially of the digital part of the business that I was not involved before creating content telling stories doing videos things that I honestly didn't have time for because I was traveling to so many places opening markets and you know doing all of that and you know doing launches and supporting my teams in the field you know, being out there. So yeah, that's, that's probably been the biggest change. I think that also we've noticed that people are much more open to and appreciative of all the things that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're much more healthy. I think that people are more conscious about their health. They want things to be more healthy. They also want to be more conscious with the resources and how much trash they're making and, you know, their footprint. So if anything, we've seen a very positive, you know, like a positive sort of outlook from this. Yeah. And me professionally too, because I've gotten, been forced to just work on different things that I've been wanting to do for so long, but then you never find the time, right? You never find the time to do the video, to get involved in the photo shoot, to have the time to tell stories, refine a lot of like the themes that we're talking about, talking about our beauty philosophy. So it's been interesting. It's been extremely interesting. We've been learning a lot. I mean, trying a lot of different things to see what works, what doesn't work. And and my team, if anything, has gotten stronger and like really, like we really like hunker down and we will be okay and we will get out of this okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think that the focus on health too, I mean, even 
I see this in the beverage industry. I mean, I think we all walked into this in March as, you know, people were like eating whatever cupcakes and Doritos and, and stuff that really wasn't great for them and maybe boozing it up a little too much. And then people started saying, wait a minute, I can't do this. You know, I need to really take care of myself. And I think most of my friends too have not only been focusing on eating better and drinking better, but also, you know, their skincare. I mean, especially if you are, you know, a working parent today and you're dealing with Zoom, right? Like you want your skin to look the best possible, right? And I think look, that's a key thing. Yeah. And also I think that skincare provides like this, like emotional release as well. It's very subconscious, right? Okay. It's not something that you necessarily think about. And it's very prevalent in my culture as I grew up, you know, I grew up in Latin America where, and in Colombia where, Beauty is not something that you necessarily do only to look better, but also to feel better. It's like that ritual, massaging your skin, you know, putting your creams on. Like a lot of times beauty, it's also very inclusive of the rest of the family. It's a fun time to like mask and cleanse. And, you know, I grew up in a family that we loved beauty so much and it was like a a reason to celebrate and get together. And I think that that is, you know, definitely something that skincare provides. It's, it provides like this emotional release and you feel good. And our skincare also is such an aromatic experience. Like, you know, we don't scent our products. You smell everything that it's inside of the products because they're just in there for a different reason, right? Like they're there to provide results, to make the products work. And, you know, like you smell the combination of all the flowers, all the extracts, all the gums, all the, you know, all the different things that go into making our products. And it just like, we get so many emails and comments from our clients about how amazing they feel and how much they look forward putting their products on. And I think that in this time that we all need soothing and we're all defined trying to cope and, you know, and adapt to this new time. So I think that skincare and self-care practices and also knowing that you're doing things that are good for you are a priority and that are also good for the planet. I think that during this time, it's been a time of reassessing a lot of like our priorities, how we live, what's important, what's not, what is good for me, what is good for other people around me, my community. I think that this has been a great time to just like reevaluate a lot of our habits, a lot of what we use, a lot of what we put on our skin and also buying better. Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's really important. I know you have three children as well. So the big question, like when do you start proper skincare, right? For kids. I mean, I have two girls and two boys and I got to tell you, like even my boys end up, you know, taking some of their high school and college and they end up grabbing some of my skincare, you know, (laughs) and I really do. I'm a huge believer that it's starting younger and younger. I mean, I started so young. I think that I was like maybe six. Yeah. (laughs) For me, you know what it helped me when I was young is that it gets me into the habit. Yeah. It's a habit, but then you really just cultivate for life. I just like you brush your teeth, you brush your hair, then you put your creams, you wash your face, you know? So it's just really getting them into the habit. My girl, I have two girls and a boy, and we tend to do a lot of our grooming at night. Like we shower, we bathe, we do our 
skincare. And so it's a really sweet time where we all, you know, they get, I let them use whatever they want. Sometimes they want a mask. Sometimes they just want to cleanse. Sometimes they want to cleanse, mask, eye cream, serum, moisturize. I love it. <laughs> you know? And then when their friends come, we also, with the little girls, like I have right now, like six girls here for play dates from their school. And we are going to do like a little beauty ritual tonight, you know, and it's so, so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. I think that, you know, you can really start at any age, the younger, the better, not because they need it, but because they start the habit that I think that it's something yeah. that stays with them for life. And it's an important practice. I think that it's really important. I mean, sometimes beauties look that very superficially, but beauty, it definitely has this quality of just making you feel better, you know, mm -hmm. not only because you look better and that makes you feel better, but you know, the act of putting the products on your skin and having a ritual to look forward to is something nice to have right in this busy times. Well, I love all the passion that I'm feeling from, you know, you just in developing this company too, because I'm a huge believer and something that I speak a lot about, especially to younger audiences is that you have to, the trick is really to find something that you're really passionate about and interested in, because I think it ultimately makes you a happier person, right? When you're really doing something that you're curious about and you're excited about it and you can definitely hear that in your voice. So I mean, without that passion, I don't think that I would have this company because it's hard to start companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yeah, passion is a really important component, but then you know it's extremely hard and there's so much sacrifice and you know, time away from the family and so many unglamorous parts of having a company that you endure as a CEO that thank God I didn't know how hard it was going to be because if I would have known, maybe I would have gone for it. But it's true that the passion and the love that you have for what you're doing and also what you're contributing to society is such a big component of that passion that then that alone keeps you going. You know what I mean? Like that really kept me going. It's like, no, I'm really going to prove. And I always felt that I was so close, right? Like you're so close to making it happen. And then you're like, I am going to prove that this is feasible, that this is scalable, that you can be profitable, that you can have a company that it's sustain that can do things responsibly, sustainably, that you can have a product that it's completely desirable and that you can do this and you can scale it. I think that that was a big piece for me because there was so many naysayers and so many negative people at the beginning just telling me how what I wanted to do was never possible. That thank God that I was not listening to them because I was so passionate about it that you're like, yeah, that's what you think, you know? Well, and you tried, right? And like, maybe I won't be able to be successful, but I am going to try. And if I am, this is, it's going to be a win-win for everybody. And this happened not only in the formulation, it happens also a lot in like even the choices that we make around our packaging, like how to find a sustainable packaging that it's great, that looks amazing, that reflects the quality of the products, but it's not necessarily polluting the earth, right? Because I don't think that my clients are expecting that with their purchase of Tata Harper, 
you're polluting the earth. And that has been the other piece that I'm also very passionate about. And you're able to pour a lot of like your values into your brand around sustainability, responsible production. Like how do we make things, right? Like I think that that's another thing that it's not talked about a lot, you know, how to make product that you make them in a better way. Like you design a better process for making them. And, you know, being able to do all those things at once was just, it's so exciting, especially in this time that we're yeah. in, right? Where it's booming, it, you know, it's baseline. I think, in, especially in a couple of years, I feel that it will be baseline for companies to not be using controversial chemicals and all this polluting materials, right? In their products, because I think that that is the ultimate act of sustainability to produce products that are in and of themselves sustainable. Because what I tend to see, it's a lot of people a lot of the efforts around sustainability revolve in the periphery of their products, like giving money to charities, offsetting their carbon footprint, doing a recyclable pump, right? Like, but the the product in itself is still polluting, (laughs) right? So it's like, in order to have a sustainable company, you must produce products that are in and of themselves sustainable. And I feel that that is at the cornerstone of having a company that it's truly sustainable. Not that the donations and the charities are not amazing, but I think that ultimately to do the right thing is to just have something that it's sustainable and responsible. Yeah. I mean, that's my look up there theory and, you know, and get people to sort of take their eye off of it. So I totally, totally agree. But so my last question, what makes you unstoppable? You've had, you've already shared a few of these (laughs) ideas with me, but what do you think in a few words, what makes you unstoppable? I don't think that it's one thing. I don't think that it's one thing. I think that it's a, a different things that you need to have to become unstoppable. Number one is to really don't give up. And I think that it sounds so cliche, but that cliche is so true. Because as you're developing something new, you're just going to face optical obstacles. Like that is the reality of trying to innovate. It's like you're going to face tons of obstacles and you need to find solutions. You always need to find ways of doing things better, right? So that's number one. I think that the other thing is just being having a lot of energy. I mean, starting a company takes a lot of energy and then at the same time starting your family which was the case for me so it's like high high energy and also being extremely organized with your time I think that discipline and organization are my friends especially to be able to balance my life because you know I have a company that I adore and I work with a group of people that I love and without them also this you know, I wouldn't be able to be as unstoppable as I am. But then you realize that you have a family, you have kids, and then you have your own life, right? You have your own friends, you want to go to the spa, you want to exercise, you want to keep doing all the things that you enjoy, and not forget about your own happiness, let's say, and your own routines that you love. And I think that being extremely organized has been one of those ways. I love it. I think that those sum up some of the things that make me unstoppable and then plus an amazing team, right? That you trust that it's really right there with you and that really make things happen for you. I think that is, you know, probably one of the most important things so that you can, you know, never like stand still and accept everything, you know, and that you can really continue innovating and continue producing amazing things and just really not accepting the status quo, but really disrupting and making 
things better and showing that they can be done, that a lot of those, you know, obstacles might be more cultural and psychological than technological, right? I totally agree. So everybody go to tataharperskincare.com and where do people find you on social? The Harper Skincare is the company's handle on Instagram. And then I have a personal one, Tata Harper. But that's just like me, my friends, my kids, like nothing serious. <laughs> nothing serious. I love it. And don't forget about the uh, special code of Tata X Cara as well. And we'll put that on the promotional for the website too. And if everybody likes this podcast, definitely share it and subscribe. And we love that you were here today, Tata. So thank you so much. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So fun to meet you at least virtually for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.